0: You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim bridgewater Bender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater-Bender, and welcome back. We are here once again with a brand new episode of Legend of Korra. Of course, I want to take this moment to remind everyone that this is sort of a fan feedback, sort of a podcast. So I very much welcome your emails and comments and everything, and I like to read those on air. A lot of theories and questions will be addressed and answered on this show So if you happen to have any answers to that or any theories yourself, please send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com as well as heading over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash republiccityreport. Um, Let's just get straight into it. Uh, This episode was, of course, episode 10 of the show titled A New Spiritual Age. Now, of course, that's just going to ring a couple bells immediately when you when you hear that title. Because, as you recall, at the end of episode nine, Korra and Janora ventured into the spirit world. Uh, just a brief summary of what happened there. Korra realized she needed to go to spirit world in order to close the the, the other the other portal that was still open uh, in order to, uh, you know, just in and, and just in time for harmonic convergence so that, you know, Vatu uh, was is unable to escape from his prison and everything like that. So. She, she goes there, but instead of Tenzin going with her, his daughter Janora goes, because if you remember earlier in the season, uh, we had some moments with Janora and we knew it was kind of building up to something, and this is what it built to. Apparently she has this really strong connection to the spirit world that Tenzin himself doesn't really have, uh, which created a little you know drama there in the last episode, but he got over that, decided to let her go, now she's free to go and a company core so that's basically where the episode picks off i mean in in the very beginning of course we start outside we we get to see Tenzin, as well as boomy and kaya and we get a couple little jokes there and everything that's actually pretty funny you know i'm going to say this right now this episode was if not the best uh very close to being my favorite episode of this season uh i love this episode from start to finish Even more so, and I don't know, maybe I'll get some hate mail for this or something, I don't know, but even more so than the Juan episodes. Now, don't get me wrong, the Wan episodes were great, but it's just something about getting to see the characters that you love, okay, because none of us can say that we love Juan, right? We only get to see those two episodes, we haven't really grown an attachment to him. I mean, we came close to it, but it's just something about being able to see the characters that you actually love and you root for and you wait for something exciting to happen, Happened, And that's what happened this episode. And not only that, we got to see Uncle Iroh again, who was one of my top three favorite characters from the last Airbender. Um, if you need a brief refresher on that, which I'm sure you don't. But Uncle Iroh was, of course, Prince Zuko's uncle. Uh, and They were both members of the Fire Nation. And Uncle Iroh, you know, he had his job to do, but he was never a bad guy. He actually ended up being a really good guy, a very wise guy, a very, a very jolly person, just a good natured, good hearted person. He would always provide comic relief. He would always say the most uh, prophetic and and sort of inspiring, motivational things. I mean, that, that was one of the most beautiful parts of the experience of The Last Airbender for me was just getting to listen to him. And in the very beginning, he was voiced by Mako, who was a uh, Mako or Mako, who was a a very uh, well-respected and kind of world-renowned, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't want to say that he's Chinese because I could be wrong about that and I definitely don't want to say that if he's not, but he was an Asian actor as well as many other things. And I remember seeing some films with him and, and he voiced Uncle Iroh in the very beginning, but sadly passed away and then someone else took over. And I'm not even sure if it's that person now. It sounds like it may be a third person in there who's doing the voice this time, but I'm not sure. But it's close enough. You know, his his spirit and heart and everything is still there. And that's just an amazing moment. But you know what? I'll get to that. We'll build up to that. So we go into the spirit world. And of course, um, we've got Korra and Janora making their way through. You know, everything's a little, everything's very pretty, very nice. Uh, but of course, you know, Janora as a being a child kind of is is just kind of taken aback by the wonderment of everything and Cora's kind of warning her be careful now i know it looks pretty but you know this is a spirit world where, where things can happen turns out that she didn't need to tell Janora that you know she should have told herself that because what happens is is that Cora you know the spirit world is a, is the type of a place to where your emotions can kind of shape your environment uh, and this is something that we, we also uh, is reinforced by Uncle Iroh a little bit later. And Kor has this instance where she comes upon what is supposed to be sort of a gopher. Now, you know, I mean, none of these animals on this show are just it's not it can't it's not just a gopher. OK, it's, it's probably a gopher chipmunk or something like that, because they always combine animals together, which I've always loved. Uh, but, you know, he kind of pops out. It really it really just provides an opportunity for us to see Cora get angry, you know, because here here you you're venturing into this place where your emotions kind of shape the environment. Uh and we have someone like Cora who we know already is very rad, very brash, very her, uh short-tempered. You know, she's carrying around this rage inside of her all the time and this has been one of her uh, quote unquote flaws throughout the series. I mean, I don't mean flaws in the way that I have a problem with it. I mean, flaws in a way it's a character flaw. You know, it's part of the reason why she still isn't she hasn't become the avatar that everyone needs her to be is because she's she's always rushing into things. She's very hot headed, etc. So we're bringing that person into the spirit world and it doesn't take long for her to get into a bad position because of that, you know, so that just provide an opportunity for her to become angry and become lost and frustrated and of course the spirit world takes its shape around her I believe they sort of Janora tries to help her while warning her to calm down because you're just making things worse so this whirlpool kind of forms and then you know long story short Korra ends up in like this dark forest surrounded by these dark spirits and she's calling out for Janora, becoming very sort of desperate and very and sort of Sort of uh, vulnerable. And in that moment, her environment takes shape around her again and she becomes a child, which I thought was very cool. I thought it was very cool how the spirit world just kind of broke her down in a sense because she went in there with so much baggage and so much rage and everything. And in a lot of ways, you know, she was very scared. So as a result of that, then we we're introduced to this child version of Cora, which I thought was brilliant. I mean, this episode was was just amazing from start to finish and you know i don't want to jump the gun here and say it had anything to do with the fact that we didn't see any of the more modernized aspects of the show but that is something that happened i mean we didn't see mako we didn't see bolin we didn't see asami we didn't see Varric, we didn't see republic city we didn't see any of that now i've never really had a problem with that aspect because like i said season one of the legend of Korra was awesome even including all of that stuff, even including the pro bending, even though the pro bending was my favorite. But there was just something about this episode and well, the episodes with one to where we just get an entire episode full of this wonderment, this fantasy type of world. It reminds me of the last airbender and it just works so well in this episode. So we get Korra as a child. Now at this point, this is where she's lost in the forest. And here comes Uncle Iroh to the rescue. And I have to say that I literally shouted and cheered on my couch when that happened. I don't care about my neighbors. It doesn't matter. If they were watching it, then they would have screamed, too. They would have known exactly why. Uncle Iroh, one of my favorite characters. And one of the coolest things that they could ever do on this show is show us someone from The Last Airbender, right? Because that's the the real reason we watch this show, because we love that one so much. So... It makes perfect sense that every now and then they will dress a character from that show. I wish we saw more. You know, I'm still hoping that we see Aang again at some point before this season's over. Uh, I'm still a little disappointed that we still haven't found out who the Fire Lord is, what happened to Zuko, and everything like that. But you know, they they still could be stretching this out. I mean, after all, you know, they made they made a full, uh, they're they're basically making a full series here. You know, so uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get more of that. But uh, through Uncle Iroh, of course, we get lots and lots of inspiration. We get motivation. We get a lot of uh, symbolism and things like that. And that's that's one of the things that Uncle Iroh was so good at. You know, he could he could see a situation for what it was and find a way to apply it to life in general in a very philosophical sort of way. And it would make you think, and you would realize, wow, this situation that we're talking about right here could also apply to this. It could also apply to this. It could also apply to this. And that's basically what was going on here: is that he's telling her, you know, you don't have to be afraid. There's lots of good in the world. There's a light inside of you. Uh, don't let the darkness take over, etc., etc. And we get a lot of that, as well as some classic. Humorous Uncle Iro moments that we all enjoy. You know, they're at they're at uh, um, this table having tea with these spirits, and we all know that Uncle Iroh was crazy about his tea, <laughs> and that was always something that just made me laugh and smile every time they brought that up on the Last Airbender. So it was nice to see that aspect of himself still there. Meanwhile, you know, Korra's like I said, still a child and everything like that, and um, so you know just to just to not completely forget about Janora um Janora at this point she's on her own she's trying to find out where the spirit portals are and everything like that and where and she's looking for Cora now Cora uh, Janora is visited by her friend F- Furryfoot I think remember there was a there was a little bunny type of spirit that she was seeing Uh, when she was in the the real world for a while he was really small but now she's in the spirit world so there's a much bigger version of him that shows up and so she hitches a ride and they go off to look for Korra now what happens is, is that on the way there they stumble upon the great library once again calling back to last airbender if you remember there was this great library that ang katara and Sokka went to and there was this professor there and they went there to find to get the and that's what i believe correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that's where they got the information about um the the uh the day of black sun uh with the eclipse and the firebenders losing their abilities on that day and everything that's where they got that information because this library just has all sorts of knowledge and everything like that and of course we get i can never remember the name of the big owl penguin thing or whatever he is but we get to see him again and he's just as rude as as usual but um yeah we get that and we get a nice little exchange there between he and Janora, and Janora kind of makes a joke about you know kind of tells him about the radio and that's a very funny moment with him and the fox and everything like that so but to kind of get to the point she's there and here's where she gains knowledge about harmonic convergence which if any of us with, I'm, I'm included in that really. If any of us still had any kind of questions or doubts about what exactly that was, you know, because if you listen to my previous episodes of this podcast, when it, you know, there's still some confusion, it's become a lot more clear now exactly what that is. Uh, due to this little flashback moment explanation, uh, exposition that we get from Janora when she's reading the book, and basically, harmonic convergence. Uh, it, you know, it happens every 10,000 years Or, or I, I forgot, something like that And if both When both spirit portals will open And the planets align It causes this greater Spiritual Rise in energy Which would be enough, in this case To allow Vatu to escape His prison Now, here's my first question And remember here, send me an email To republiccityreport at gmail.com If you have an answer Solution to this question now it stands to reason that if harmonic convergence will somehow allow Vatu to escape his prison, okay, it must mean he's going to become more powerful to some extent, right? Now, so with that being said, should Korra not also become more powerful since she has the spirit of Rava inside of her? Because Rava and Vatsu are basically one spirit split in half, right? Good and evil. So it stands to reason that harmonic convergence should also creates some sort of a greater power within Korra. Now, although, you know, I don't think they really addressed that during the Wan episodes. Because at that point, Rava was so small, you know, and she basically joined. And maybe that is what happened. You know, maybe that's maybe you know something I had I had a question on those the episodes I did on that episode uh, of what exactly happened whenever Juan touched that portal and then all of a sudden he and Rava were bonded forever maybe that's what it was maybe it's just because it was harmonic convergence and the spirits are stronger during that time that that's what caused them to bond now I kind of wish they would have just said that you know but I'm assuming that's what happened there so, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to see some sort of super powered up version of Korra when it comes time for that final battle. We still don't know yet if Unalak is planning to join with Vatu. But if you go back and listen to my last episode, I kind of explained why I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. So I'm not really going to go into that into detail, uh, but I do have my theories of why I think that's not going to happen, though it still could, obviously. So, uh, yes, she goes there and, uh, you know, a, a little miniature battle kind of ensues and stuff like that. She, she heads over there. And at this point, uh, I'm sorry, I left out something very important actually, back back to, back to Janor at the library. So we, we get that explanation of harmonic conversions, but then, dun, dun, dun shows up, you know, it turns out that this, this, the protector of the library, uh, was already aware of Unalak being there and they have become pretty close because Unalak does have a better tie with the spirits and this is something that we learned since the verse the very first episode that he showed up that he's able to conjure them and bend them and and do all these you know techniques that no one else has been able to really do so he does have this stronger bond with the spirits um So we get him in a very villain like sort of moment. Uh, He has some exchange with Janora, and basically they take her captive. Um, So now back to Korra. Korra uh, is moving up to. Okay, okay, sorry. I'm forgetting stuff here. (laughs) Back to Korra and Uncle Iroh. You know, like I said, Uncle Iroh gives some great advice and everything. And she's basically becoming frustrated again. She just wants to find Jenora and she starts to to become upset, thus upsetting the environment around her. And then he has to remind her, calm yourself, look for the light. You know, you can do this, etc. And, and trust me, these are all lessons that Korra needed to hear and, and learn from. So look for... Per her flashbacks of one and her experience with Uncle Iroh and the spirit world to unleash a big change in Korra. I don't think she's going to be as hot headed, as careless, and everything like that from this point on. I think she's learned a lot from this experience, and I think that's the whole point of it. Um, so, yeah, so Cora is basically learning from this experience with Uncle Iroh. She's learning that, you know, if she calms herself down enough, she can change her environment make things more positive uh of course she uses this as an opportunity to try and bring Janora back to her but she can't do that now i forgot to mention that during this process uh Korra actually sort of injured a, a baby dragon bird uh, and this dragon bird kind of accompanies her on this journey and it's still sort of injured when she's talking with uncle iroh So Uncle Iroh kind of gives us one of his very, like I said, his very philosophical (laughs) responses and said, sometimes, you know, in order to help yourself, you need to help someone else. And he sort of alludes to the fact that this bird needs to be taken back to its home at the top of this gloomy mountain. And uh, and then and then maybe somehow, you know, you'll receive help in return. So. Korra basically agrees to do that. You know, Remember, this is still child Korra, so she's still a little scared and everything, but she's trying to remind herself back on the way to this hill, up this hill, just to remain calm, peaceful thoughts, and everything like that. And then we see the last of Uncle Iroh, which, ah, once again, such a wonderful moment to see that character again. Easily one of my favorites. Easily one of my favorites. Uh, so she journeys up the hill. Immediately upon reaching the top, we get these evil looking dark spirit animals. Uh, she calms them down. She remembers the advice that Iro gave her. She calms them down. And then they basically lead her to where she needs to go. Uh, which is to this nest where the dragon bird uh, has. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think they were like two or three other dragon birds. But basically what happens is, is that she she returns the dragon bird to the nest and then it turns into this big, beautiful, grown adult dragon bird. And that was just one of the most amazing uh, sights to see on this episode. This episode was beautiful. I mean, and ever since I got a DVR a couple of weeks ago, I have been able to watch this show in HD, which for the longest time. I mean, I, w- I watched season one and like the first half of season two on my computer. OK, on the Internet at Nick dot com or wherever else I can find it. And you know how it is with some of these. Services to where if you don't have the best internet connection, they'll lower the resolution so much. That way it won't skip or stop or stutter. And that happened a lot when I was watching that show. So I never really got to absorb the true beauty of the animation and the colors and everything that come along with the show. And I know that there's some weird thing to where there's a different studio doing some of the episodes than the others, but it's it's all been pretty beautiful to me but this episode has been, it was just spectacular. Spectacular, I mean, from the way it looked, the way it sounded, the acting, the voice acting, the action, the drama, everything was just great. Great, great, great. So we get the beautiful dragon bird. Now she rides this dragon bird and he takes her directly to the spirit portals. Now at this point, she lands, her completely set on closing this portal she has a little exchange with Vatu, who just calls her Rava, because that's all he sees uh, in the avatar. And Kor basically says, you know what? I'm here to stop you before harmonic convergence begins. I'm going to stop. I'm going to close this portal. You're not getting out, etc. But then, dun dun dun, Unalak returns with his trump card, which is basically Janora. So, in a classic villain hero exchange with a hostage, he says, "Go and open the other portal. If you, if you, if not, you know, we'll, I'll I'll just destroy Janora. Her soul will be lost forever." And he does some kind of weird spirit bending and everything, and and and, and such like that. Uh, so, you know, after basically threatening uh, Janora, Cora agrees to do it. So she goes over to the portal and she opens it no last-minute desperation move to try to get out of it um she opens it of course there's really nothing she could have done in this instance because of course she could not bend in the spirit world uh so immediately after opening the portal she says you know to unalak let janora go and then unalak begins to water bend at her basically attacker which uh, you know um, this is something that they addressed in the episode later on but when that first happened, I immediately remembered, wait a second, uh, Unalok and his children were able to water bend when they first went into the spirit portal, but Korra couldn't, so I didn't understand, but almost immediately after I realized that they addressed it in the episode, Unalok himself says, you should have come through the portal and then you'd be able to do this. So that's kind of their little get out of jail free card with that, you know, to kind of close that plot hole. It's by saying that if you enter the spirit world through the spirit portal, you retain your your bending, which I think Unalak actually said that on a previous episode, too. But since I guess since Cora went in through meditation, then that doesn't allow her to to use her bending, I guess, because it's like her body is still in the real world, unlike uh unalak who his his body and his spirit are in the spirit world i I mean that's kind of the way i look at it like i don't think i don't think unalak's body is somewhere right now you know under a rock resting while he's in the spirit world his actual body is there not just his spirit so we get a little action right there and korra doesn't have her bending but of course she's still an amazing warrior so she pretty much dodges the best that she can and everything like that but you know unalak just proves to be more powerful in this moment you know because you know she can't bend and he also has these spirit powers and and all of that and not to mention there are these other dark spirits there that basically are basically working for him here so he gets her into his spirit finishing move or whatever it is that he was going to do there and then we get a return of the dragon bird and the dragon bird shows up, saves her now of course this is after, I forgot to mention that uh, Furryfoot you know, the evil version has already flown off with Janora by this point cause obviously Unlock had no intentions of returning her which I don't understand I mean he already had what he wanted he, he already had the spirit portal open uh So I don't understand why, A, you're going to attack the Avatar and B, keep Janora. So, you know, maybe maybe that's going to lead to something else. You know, I don't think it's just him being evil. There must be another reason. He must have another use for Janora, in terms of her being a hostage or something like that. Um, But yeah, so that happens. And then. Once the dragon bird takes Korra, you know, she returns to her body and awakens, and you know, she's she comes back, but Janora is not with her. So, immediately Tenzin runs over and he's wondering, What's going on here? You know, where's Janora? He asks her how it, how it is, and you know, well, he does the first thing he asks is, How was the experience and everything? Were you able to close the portal? And then he's like, well, Okay, where's Janora? And in a very sad moment, you know, Korra kind of inadvertently indirectly you know he can kind of tell by looking look on her face so he looks over at janora janora's body's just still sitting there so you know obviously he realizes that she didn't return and everything like that and it's a pretty sad moment it's a strong moment and it's, a, it's a brilliant moment for the episode to end there and this is what i mean about this episode this episode just had everything that i love about this show and the last air in it You know, it had some humor, it had some drama, it had some action. I mean, it just had everything. And I mean, this is just one of this is this episode is probably the best example that I could give to someone. You know, if I had to say you can watch one episode of this, you know, and and, and make your mind up on on, on this season or the series, I would probably give them that episode. I mean, it was just a fantastic episode, in my opinion. Um, So what were your thoughts on it? Send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Uh, please head over to the Facebook page, Republic City Report uh, on Facebook. Um, you can also head to awesomepods.com where we have all sorts of podcasts over there for you to listen to, including one called Geekly Dose, which is another one that I co-host with Stephen Dose Telly, where we talk about all kinds of geek stuff from movies to games, comic books, TV shows, everything you can imagine. We even talk about toys at one point. Uh, all those kinds of things. So uh, I didn't want to keep this episode too long because for, for one thing, I didn't I didn't have any emails this week. So please make sure you get those in to me next time. Uh, and plus, this was just a great episode. I want to get straight to the point and, just, and say all the things I liked about it. There wasn't anything I was confused about. There wasn't anything that I disliked about it. I mean, this is just kind of one of the best examples of how great this show really is. So once again, Please send me an email. I miss you guys this is the second week in a row. I haven't gotten any emails, so don't don't be shy. You know, even if you're someone who's emailed me before, if there's something you want to know, any theories you have, questions you have, etc., answers you may have. Don't hesitate to email me. So um, with that being said, guys, that's all for this week. Uh, and so and, and until next time for a public city report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender and I'll see you guys next time. to expand your avatar the last ad bender collection? Or how about picking up book one of Legend of Korra on Blu-ray? There are plenty of DVDs, apparel, merchandise, and basically anything else you can dream of over at Amazon. Go to awesomepods.com and click on the Amazon link when you shop on Amazon. Find this show and more on facebook.com awesomepods and follow us on Twitter at Awesome Pods.